Well, what is up, everybody? Welcome. Welcome into the Overreaction Sports Podcast brought to you by the Market Dominator on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. My name is Joe Miller. I'm your host, the voice of the Overreaction Sports Podcast. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at Joe Miller Wired. And I got a dude in the room. This is like a first for this live YouTube thing that I've got starting the show with a dude in the room. And everybody knows the dude. The dude is Joe Marino. And and the dude needs no introduction. Joe, how are you? I'm good. Can I start with asking you a question? You can ask me any question you would like to ask me. Just listen to that wonderful one minute <laughs> song. Yeah. Is that, is that you? Is that that's, you singing? That's me. <laughs> is are you also playing guitar? I am playing the rhythm. I'm not playing lead. I'm not a lead player, but that um, is me playing that is me playing lead or rhythm, the yes. Talent. The talent of this man. <laughs> He can't just, it's not just that he has the buttery speaking voice, but the guy has pipes. (laughs) Well, what happens is, is when you do this stuff, they like, especially on YouTube, they flag Mm -hmm. it and then they mute it and then they like take it out. So what do I know? I know that the stuff that I've written and the songs that I've recorded that you can find on iTunes, you can find it on Spotify and all that stuff belong to me. So mm-hmm. I'm like, come so at this, me. Exactly. <laughs> like this, this show, the Fina show, Humpty Hotline, all those intros are all my stuff just because oh, wow. it yeah, just makes sense. So there is some uh, royalty free stuff out there that you can use. But even with that, a lot of times they're like not for use with podcasts. Mm-hmm. And it's like, OK, and you can pay for it. But uh, but Joe, it's good to have you. And Joe, before we get started with episode two uh, of the way too early, uh, as Chris Jenke and I think Richard Rush have said, uh, season, not predictions, but conversations. Um, I do need to talk about the market dominator real quick because John Spascheck is my friend. And John Spascheck is a real estate broker here in Western New York, but he can help you wherever you are. So you're in North Carolina. Yes, Joe. Yes. Charlotte. So if you were looking to move back to Buffalo, mm-hmm. that would be, as you would say, a transition. Or if you were moving from Buffalo to North Carolina, mm-hmm. transition, right? Life transition. And John is a life transition specialist. That's what he calls himself. And at the end of the day, all that matters to me is he's the best real estate broker in Buffalo that I've, he's probably the best real estate broker I've ever used. And I've used several. The dude, when it comes to, you've bought and sold homes. I know you have. And the frustrating part about buying and selling a home is when you're in that limbo period, the four five, six days when you're told that like something's supposed to happen soon. And then that day passes. And two days later, you're like, what is going on? And you text your agent and they're like, I don't know. I haven't heard from the other agent. Yeah, John doesn't let that stuff go. Like John is like hound dogging people and like keeping people on point to the point of like even hit like the other people's attorneys and everything else. Like it's insane what he does. But if there's anybody out there, probably not you, Joe. I know you just bought a nice new home out there in North Carolina. But if there's anybody out there in Buffalo, Western New York, or around the country looking to sell a house, buy a house, especially in this hot market, you can call John Spashek, 716-570-3298. The number again, 716-570-3298. You can also reach him on e- or at, on his email at youreliteBroker at gmail.com. You can also find him on Twitter. He is Bill's Mafia at Your Elite Broker. Now, the business is out of the way. Joe, how the last couple weeks been treating you? Pretty good? Busy. Man, yeah, you're, you're always busy, though. There's no real off-season for you. No, I think the off-season's busier than the regular season because at least with the regular season, there's consistency with the games and like uh, the, the the rhythm that comes with it. The off-season lends itself to more... I don't know what the word is, the lack of structure. Right, right. And so we, as a family, because we're kind of dialed in all season long, just becomes busy for family stuff. And then obviously the work doesn't stop. So 
Right, right. Yeah, we we wanted to do this the next week, and like I forgot that I was going to a wedding. So life, life happens. Yeah, so we had to we had to make this a uh, more. I I cannot lame. blame you. I cannot blame you for forgetting that you had to go to a wedding. Like those are my least favorite things to do in the world. Really, weddings. dude, I love weddings. Oh. Hot take: weddings are always. I've never been to a wedding. You know, I was, I was like. This was a bad time. It's never that way. Like the the ceremonies, I'm like all in my feelings, you know. Like I I I always feel t- some type of way about it. And then you you know you you go to the reception. Who doesn't like free food and music? Like you know, but, it's, but, but the DJ is going to be good. There's a, there's a lot of time. They're going to the play D- the same fifty songs you hear at every wedding, right? Couple things. So number one, there has to be alcohol, even if it's a cash bar. There has to be alcohol to loosen people up. Have if you? Been, I have not been to a wedding that didn't have alcohol. This is. I've been to. I, I'm yeah. old time, old school, charismatic. So oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see it. Yeah. Oh, so, so like, dish a potluck <laughs> wedding reception. Yeah, a lot like if you drank alcohol, you were like, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, not on Jesus's mm-hmm. best friend list. That's right. how I grew up. So I've been to a lot of dry mm-hmm. weddings. They suck. And then the second part of that is the DJ. The DJ, if he comes out and he plays a lot of what I would consider modern uh, pop or R&B or just different type of stuff, it doesn't take off as well as if the guy's mixing in Brown Eyed Girl and like different things like that, like older tunes. If there's older tunes in there, a lot of times that'll grab the audience. YMCA. For some reason, YMCA oh, is a huge hit at weddings. That's but, such an overplayed song. I'm over that one. But I, Brown Eyed Girl, man, that's going to get me moving a little bit. Right. That's what I'm talking yeah. about. So yeah. so, so you, you you sashay your way onto the dance floor when you go to weddings? Uh, yeah. You know what, dude? I've <laughs> You know your wife wants to dance. Like, don't Always. be that schmuck that doesn't go dance with your wife. You know what I mean? Like, you don't want to, but just, like, do it. You know? For just sure. do it. Even if you can't, I'm not a good dancer, but I'm not going to let my wife not have that opportunity. You know what I mean? Or send her out there by herself and sit there like a schmuck in the corner. Yeah. Nurse and a drink, nurse and a cocktail, right? So, Dude, yeah. So lame. That's no, so I, lame. I, 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 I get out on the dance floor and I make a fool of myself. Right. So I, just I, have I just, fun. Like, just have fun. Yeah. I don't, I don't, he's like, going home and like, oh man, did you see that guy dancing? He was so bad. No, they're like, yeah, that guy really loves his wife and wants to make sure that she had a great time and was part of that. And he had fun. And that's, that's right. what matters, man. That's right. And you can you can affect the crowd. You can affect the wedding and make it better if you're a part of the conver- like a part of the dance and a part of what's going on and like pulling people onto the dance floor and yeah. just having some fun. Yes. So I'm with I'm with you. I just hate weddings. Weddings is just a it's just a if all the weddings were in the winter, I think it'd be okay. But they're always in the <laughs> summer and like you you don't you no, live in North winter. Carolina. No, you and, can't get married. You can't get married in the fall or the winter. That is so rude to people that want to watch football. <laughs> Saturdays are well, you're a college. Oh, no, see, that's and I wrote this major character flaw with you that we've established. Yeah, you don't yeah. like college football. It's not a like thing. I find it inferior. Can I? I we are going down a rabbit hole that I didn't expect. <laughs> can I be candid with you? You can be as candid I, as you How does this be. happen? This is this is that pastoral <laughs> background where you get people around you, you make them feel comfortable, and then they just say all the bad things, and uh, you know what I mean. So. My daughter, who is uh, 16 months old, her first ever flower girl request is by somebody getting married on a Sunday at three in the afternoon, the Sunday of Thanksgiving week. Destination wedding. Destination wedding. Okay, that's probably aggressive. It's in the mountains of North Carolina, probably a two and a half hour drive. Right, right, right. Why are you putting me in that spot? Why are you putting me in that spot? Because here's the optics, Joe. 
It's that, oh, well, this guy just wants to stay home and watch football. Well, let me tell you what, this is kind of the most important days if this is your job. It's like me inviting you to my wedding at one o'clock on a Monday. I wouldn't do that. You know what I mean? I wouldn't expect you to be there. Right. It's funny. Weddings to me are just, it's just, there's, I've lived in Florida when I was in high school and I've lived primarily in the North. And there's just a matter of a limited amount of weekends we have. And for mm-hmm. me, burning eight hours at a wedding that I don't, if I could show up, go to the ceremony, drop off my gift and like dip, I probably would be okay. I don't wait, want wait, to, how are weddings an eight hour obligation for you? Well, if the, if the wedding's at one in the afternoon, right? You show up to the ceremony, you go to the thing. If it's an hour, hopefully it's less. And then there's nowadays it's two and a half hours between the wedding and the, the reception pictures, right? because of the pictures. It's insane. And then cocktail, the so you got to have a cocktail hour. But, right. dude, the wedding ceremonies that I'm going to are, like, 15 minutes, 10 minutes. They're getting shorter. Because people are true. getting it. I think we just have different – you have different friend groups than I do. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> and I get invited to a lot of weddings because church stuff, right? So I'm on staff at a church. So, like, I, people feel obligated to invite me. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Meanwhile, sometimes it's like, no, you don't have to invite me. It's okay. It's totally good. <laughs> yeah, dude, I get that. I get that. You have some dynamics in play here that has put you right. in some weddings you did not want to be at. I get it. Exactly. So it just, it is what it is. But uh, yeah, somebody's putting your Catholic weddings are a whole day long, Richard. Rock. Yeah, you know, no, but that's really the truth. Like th- that's Buffalo. There's a larger Catholic population. I'm here in Charlotte, North Carolina. Everyone's yeah. Presbyterian, They're, right, you know, right. or Baptist or something, you know, like it's, a, it, we have a different wedding experience if you want, where if you are and where I am. You're totally rabbit trail. But if you want the nightmare of your life, watch The Deer Hunter with Robert De Niro and, uh, who else is in that? Christopher Walken's in that movie. And literally the Catholic wedding scene is 45 or 50 minutes of the movie. And it's like, what is going on in this oh. movie? Oh, wow. That sounds terrible. <laughs> I won't awesome. I won't be watching that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, welcome into the show. And uh, now that we're going to get somewhat back on point. And we, what we have to do, and, and you jumped in, and I immediately told you before the show started that we're going to have to go backwards because there was news today on Sunday, the day of this recording. Uh, and that news is, is that Julio Jones has been traded from the Atlanta Falcons into the AFC to the Tennessee Titans. Now we did the Titans uh, when we talked last time. And for those of you that maybe didn't catch the last show, what we were doing is we're going to finish up uh, the season schedule. The last, I don't, it, it looks like the last, I think it's eight games or nine games. However, there's a couple of duplicates in there between the jets and the, and the, and the Panther or I'm sorry, the, the Patriots. We're going to basically go head to head quarterback to quarterback. So Josh Allen versus quarterback that he's going to be facing potentially uh, major additions and subtractions, and then we're also going to do home field advantage. However, we have to go backwards. We have to go backwards to uh, what amounts to the uh, uh, the Titans game. Now, I don't remember necessarily where we landed particularly, but I thought that we felt that as far as you know, should win, could win, going to be tough. That was going to be a tough game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. How, how was the dynamic changed with Julio Jones going there, with Derrick Henry, with obviously uh, – uh, AJ Brown with they've lost their tight end. So losing yeah. John Smith is big, but yeah. gaining Julio Jones, where, where are you landing on that? Uh, Tennessee Titans got better, right? I mean, there's right. just no, there's no way around it. They became a better football team with that trade. Um, I think naturally you, you probably want to still talk about, well, who's playing right tackle is the pass rush going to come together with the Nico Autry and Bud Dupree. Did right. they really right. fix the secondary? Do they have a safety that can play, alongside Kevin Byer, right? You could still ask those questions, but at the end of the day, the most important thing, the the most important statistic in the NFL that is correlative to winning is points scored, right? Mm. I know that seems like a very elementary talking point, 
Right. But when you correlate wins to a statistic, the one that matters the most is, most is points scored. Right. And the Tennessee Titans made a significant move that is going to allow them to score more points, especially stylistically how they want to play football and how Ryan Tannehill thrives in the play-action game and working the ball down the field. It's a great move. There's no, there's no yeah, way yeah. around it. Yeah. Bill's Mafia, Mafia STF actually says, I'm confident in our offense to outscore them. Are you still confident based on their defense versus our defense? And I have a hot take before we get into the rest of this. But where are you at on that as far as our confidence in outscoring them, outrunning them, gunning them? I think that the Bills' defense stacks up very well against Tennessee because for as speed deficient as the Bills' secondary is, they're outstanding at limiting the deep ball. And mm. last year, it was the, 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 the Bills were the lowest team in the NFL in terms of average depth of target against their secondary. Mm. Like because Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are so good at football, teams don't even try the Bills down the field. Right. And so, like, when the most important thing you do is build your run game so that you could take those deep shots, and the best thing that your defense does is counter them. I still like the way that the Bills match up against Tennessee. And and Derrick Henry's a special football player, but the Bills haven't had trouble with Derrick Henry. No, not at all. You know, and so be, and I think that speaks to having a guy like Tremaine Edmonds who has the physicality and the size to, gotcha. to meet him in the hole and, and, and challenge him. So yeah. that, that helps a lot. And so I, I think the bills from a, a defensive personnel makeup schematically, what they like to do, I think it counters Tennessee uh, quite well. Yeah. And what's funny to me and the, the hot take that I wanted to give you, I was trying to figure out some way to word this on Twitter this week and I couldn't, I couldn't encapsulate it well enough that I felt like it would get the traction that I wanted to, wanted it to get without getting the type of without getting negative feedback. I did, I wanted it to catch as a as a as a comment as a conversation starter, uh, but I didn't want it to be like you're out of your mind. I didn't I didn't want it to be like you're a typical homer type stuff. But for me, when I when I picture what the Bills have done uh, last year, 2020, with this offense and what they have and you know, what is this, the third or fourth season returning with Brian Dable in the same system, the amount of guys they have in the same system. Uh, if they can find, if they can return to, if Star comes back, if they can find, you know, if they can catch fire in Boogie Basham, if they can catch fire in Greg Rousseau, F.A. Obata, if they can get to the quarterback, if that defense can return to a top five defense, to me, this is a Super Bowl winning football team. What's interesting about that is the fact that now you've you're looking at a, it's a three headed monster in the AFC in my in my opinion between the Chiefs, potentially the Titans, and obviously the Buffalo Bills. But I don't know where you feel. But to me, so much is 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 what is, so much is pressed upon that defense. That defense has to find itself, and if it can find itself, man, I don't know. I don't I don't think there's many teams out there that can beat them. Yeah, I think a lot a lot rides on the defense finding its form a bit more than it did last year. Um, I do think, I think the top of the AFC is really challenging with Kansas City, with Buffalo, with I I see no reason not to include Cleveland and Baltimore in that conversation. Right, um, right. Ten Tennessee, I, I think Tennessee has holes. Um, I still again right tackle, pass rusher, secondary, like those are not small issues. Right. Um, and, and let's be honest about them replacing Arthur Smith. Right. That, I mean, he was very important for engineering that offense. And so he he's gone, but I think they're there. They're, they're one of the best five or six teams in, in the conference. Yeah. You're going to have to deal with them probably to get to the Super Bowl. So right. yeah, they're there. 
Yeah, for sure. I just I have I have a great deal of uh, expectation as it pertains to just this defense finding itself again. And if they can, if they can figure out a way to amount not pressure, because Jerry Hughes is the king of pressure, they can find a way to get home. Yeah. If they can get home and get the quarterback off his spot, get him rattled, whoever they're playing. Yeah. That's the thing, right? So the Bills pressure rate wise last year, they were good. I mean, they were one of yeah. the better pass rush teams in the NFL. It was finishing. And yeah. when you think about who they brought in, you mentioned F.A. Obata in addition to Gregory Rousseau and Carlos Basham. Those guys are all finishers because they have length. Right. And so I think when you when you start to complement pressure from multiple angles, but you can also really collapse the pocket and, and, and give you that compression power style rush that kind of doesn't give that quarterback to go any, anywhere they can go. Right. I think that's how you maximize the talent. So from a, 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 a the engineering of the types of players that they brought in, I think it's going to help them finish more at the quarterback. That's good. So where does this put you? Does this change? Uh, it's got to change a little bit, but how much does it sway you or move the needle? Julio Jones on this football team now versus Julio Jones not being. The funny thing about that, before you answer that, and I, I, I meant to ask you this a couple minutes ago, you know, Julio said, I want to go to a, a team with a strong arm quarterback that they're going to sling it. Ryan Tannehill doesn't strike me as that guy, but regardless, where does this where does this put the needle for you? I, I think I, I look upon them more favorably. I was thinking Indianapolis was probably the favorites in the South. Um, I think it, it, obviously Carson Wentz is the conversation there, but right, right. Um, I, I think that division with Jacksonville and Houston. I mean, you kind of feel like you're starting four and zero, oh, right? Right. <laughs> so. I think Tennessee is going to be right in it. It's a tougher game. Yeah, I mean, it goes back to the point I made. They're going to be a better scoring offense because they added Julio Jones. The correlation between scoring and winning matters. I think it's a tougher game, especially on the road on Monday Night Football. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, you are watching and listening to the Overreaction Sports Podcast brought to you by the Market Dominator on the Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. I'm here with my guest, Joe Marino, and we are now going to get into the back half of the Bills schedule. Episode two, finally, kind of getting there. Uh, and we're going to be talking about uh, the Buffalo Bills, who their opponents are, their quarterback head-to-head with Josh Allen, also major additions and subtractions, and then basically home field advantage. And I believe we are we are at number nine. Is that correct? The New York Jets? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Yes, we finished up with, we the, finished with, up Jacksonville, with Jacksonville. With yeah. Jacksonville, with Trevor Lawrence and, uh, and Urban Meyer. As far as the Jets go, Who's playing quarterback? It's got to be Zach Williams. Or yeah, Zach Wilson, one. rather. Zach Wilson, yeah. not Williams, yeah. So, day one, what is your impressions of Zach Wilson? Concerned. Um, and not not overall. Like, is Zach Wilson, there could have been teams that he would have went to that I could have got behind. But I think I think the Jets are a disaster fit for him. Right. Um, Silver Spoon Kid, big time, right? Right. I mean, man, I can, I can only say so much here. <laughs> he was not guaranteed that job in 2020, right? Like he he didn't play that well in 2018 and 2019, where he entered 2020 as the undisputed starter. Gotcha. And going from BYU to New York City, I have questions about that. Like, mm, mm. And, and not just not just from those dynamics, but when you combine some of the the things that I know about Zach Wilson and, and his background and what you're asking him to do. The Jets are kind of at that point where they can't afford to miss on another quarterback, right? No. And I so mean, and behind him is what James Morgan. That's the guy behind him. 
right? Yeah, they, they they don't they don't have anything, right? Well, and and, and you know, Mark Sanchez kind of flaming out, and Sam Darnold moving on from him. Like they, when's the last time that they successfully drafted and developed a quarterback? Like is it Chad Pennington, no, Joe Namath? Eh, let's give <laughs> Chad Pennington some some respect. But um, yeah, I just I think it's a big ask for him, and I don't think from a mental makeup perspective, I like this at all. I like the talent. If you told me he went to Jacksonville or he went to San Francisco, that was the, that was actually Sam T to ask that question. Would you have yeah. felt better if Wilson went to San Francisco? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But that wasn't an opportunity. So you think that there's not a fit issue, but there's a a landscape issue, right? Yeah, man. Like you're, and I think you'll connect with this. I mean, given your life experience, sure. you're like there's something to be said for having gone through things in your life and facing adversity and how you're going to come out of those situations and. Um, something to lean to that you can point to that you've overcome, and and sure. you know, and I don't. This guy doesn't have that on his resume, and so, so we we've said that about guys like Josh Josh Rosen. We've said that we're saying that about Trevor Lawrence right now. Right, I'm saying right. that to you about Zach Wilson right now. Right. Um, and a lot of times these guys that are kind of these silver spoon kids that come up and and have been told how good they are their whole life. And okay, bud, now you have to go lead an NFL football team. Now you have to go up against Sean McDermott and Bill Belichick and Brian Flores for to get to the damn playoffs. Like, right, right. Good luck, dude. Like, good luck. Yeah. It's, it's, it's literally the difference between, yeah, that guy and Josh Allen, who Josh Allen was told no his whole entire life. And, you know, when Josh Allen got to go to, Raiders camp with uh, with Derek Carr, right? And and he wanted to be in the group with Derek Carr, and Derek was in the group with all the other kids, and Josh was in the guys with no talent group, right? That's what you're talking about. Yeah, and you you grow up on a cantaloupe farm, right? <laughs> you play every right. sport because you know how hard it was to stay at home and help your dad on the farm, but you still, you know what I mean, like right, right. And you you email every coach in America just to get a damn opportunity, right? But, and, you know that's just different. It's different. It's absolutely different. There's so, that mental makeup that comes with becoming the face of a franchise. I, I mean, I just have my I have legitimate questions about Zach Wilson being able to do that. So the Jets are doing Jets things. They added Carl Lawson, big big get that. Dude, uh, so that's the thing about the Jets is I love what Joe Douglas is doing. Their general right. manager, like from a roster construction, they have holes, and obviously this is going to take time. But from a like the way that he drafts players in terms of the way I perceive them, and you know, doing my work with the Draft Network and scouting sure, these players sure, and. Sure. What he's been able to do in free agency, I really like it. Mm. But I I don't know from a mental makeup perspective, he got the right quarterback for the New York Jets, right? Mm. Like very specifically. So is it Mac? It can't be Mac Jones. Who else is it? Justin Fields. Justin, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's Justin Fields, who that guy's got a chip on his shoulders. Yeah. He's and physically he, gifted as can possibly be not similar situation but similar situation right a a, a franchise that's been struggling for a long time and he's gonna have to rise above it very similar to what josh allen has had to do and that's what you're talking about you're talking about the difference the difference between a quarterback that can rise above it put the team on his back and lead a bunch of men versus watch josh justin fields play at ohio state and how poised he is and how he he takes hits and gets up and he comes we thought he tore his acl and he comes back on the field the next play and he hits a dime in the back corner of the end zone that's battle tested in those moments you know that that's the guy i want yeah on my football team and not the guy that turtled against coastal carolina (laughs) right i have made a lot of uh 
So I took, I'm the one, and you can go back to Twitter and verify this. I'm the one that took the picture of Robert Sala against the Buffalo Bills, where he's just looking at the field glossy eyed. Like, I don't know what to do with this kid at this point because yep. he's beating me up and down the field. And it's been retweeted and reposted a thousand times. And I love it. I wish I had a watermarked it. I didn't. Um, what effect is Robert? I guess the first question about what went wrong with Robert Sala in that 49ers game where he was doing whatever film reading he was doing and says, says things like he's basically Cam Newton. And they're pretty much running a yeah. wildcat. Like I, I, that was so left field for me. It was like, who's doing your film watching? Because that is not true. It's a testament to Josh Allen and the physical ability that he has, and the rules of playing quarterback don't apply to him. Gotcha. And that's what Benjamin Solak man, meant when he said arm arrogance. He can do things with his arm and with the football that other people just simply cannot do. And when you can, when you can, you can play above the rules. Right. That's frustrating as hell for a defense that is assignment driven. Like, okay, if we do these things, it's going to take away these things, right? Because that's just the design of the defense. Okay, we did everything we're supposed to do, but because Josh Allen can extend a play and fit a football into a place where it's not supposed to go, it doesn't matter. It right. doesn't matter what you have. Right. Gotcha. And that's why he's looking at the field. Yeah, like this dude just beat me up and down. And it wasn't just him, Vic Fangio, you name it, Bill Belichick, yeah. all of them. At the end of the season last year, Josh was just on a tear. So we're we're pretty clear that uh, Josh has got a head-to-head, obviously adds and subtractions. Carl Lawson's a nice get. Home field advantage, Josh owns that stadium, at least has for some time. Looking into the future, though, Robert Sala, I don't think he's a slouch. I think he's a good coach, right. and he's going to be a good head coach. I don't yeah. – little bit of insight there. Where where do you lean Robert Sala wise? Big fan. I'm a big I am fan too. of him. I am too. Yeah, yeah. I, I like it. I like him. I like Joe Douglas. Yeah, I think I, I think there's a process here because the roster's not there yet. Um, I think right. their cornerback room, I think the Jets cornerback room is the worst position group in the NFL. Whoa. Yeah. That's the a lot. worst. Yeah. It's I've never I it's unreal to me that they think this is passable. Mm. Uh so that's a major, major, major concern. But Robert Sala from just, you know, like I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know him intimately, but having seen what he was able to do in San Francisco, listening, I, I love press conferences. I listen to a lot of them. So like kind of dialing into some of the stuff he says and, and how he's wired and like his vision for the team. I like it a lot. If I was a Jets fan, I'd be really happy that Sale was my coach. Me too. Yeah, that's a guy that you're going to want to keep for the long haul. Four or yeah. five, give him six years just to see yeah. if he can, because he's a lead, he's a leader of men. So I think we we probably both are putting this game in the bucket of should win. Yes. 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 Agreed. Even with even with the addition of Carl Lawson and that defense that they have, and and and, and they're they're going to play well defense. They're going to play sound defense. The Jets have always played sound defense, at least for the last several years. But this is a situation that I think we both agree with that. Uh, week ten, home against the Colts. Carson Wentz. I'm excited about this move for Carson Wentz. What are your feelings on Car Carson Wentz? Carson Wentz was one of the historically the worst quarterbacks anyone's ever seen last year. Right. So year. just just awful dreadful football player last year. So there was a point in my football career where I said, Carson Wentz is the most indispensable football player in the NFL. Hmm. And I believe that wholeheartedly. But I think what happened to Carson Wentz in Philadelphia was very much a systematic failure of him, whether that was not replacing coaching, not having the right weapons around him, dysfunction in the front office with Howie, Howie Roseman. I can't find one person to say a good thing about Howie Roseman that's ever known the guy. I mean, oh. he's just, he's a disaster. He's a complete disaster as a, as a general manager. All right. So <laughs> you have this dysfunctional organization. And, and I think 
to go from 2017 Wentz to 2020 Wentz, it's not one thing, man. It's not one thing. That was dreadful. So where I get optimism if I'm a Carson Wentz fan or a Colts fan is that if there's anywhere that I believe can get the most out of Wentz and you know help him find Frank his Frank. game, it's there, right, with Frank Reich. Frank Reich. And, and, and in a situation in Indianapolis where – Across their roster, I think they have maximized their talent exceptionally well, mm. especially when you consider the players that came there from other places and became the best version of themselves. They like a far more impactful player in Indianapolis than they were in other places throughout their career. It's a sign of a great coaching structure that exists for player development. Sure. So I love this environment for Carson Wentz. But 2020 still happened, and this guy's got to find his game, and that's a big ask. 2020 with no fans. I mean, there's yeah. a, we, we've had conversations. I've had conversations about Josh Allen, and uh, you know, people have talked about that. How's Josh going to be with fans in the stands, both at home, sugar high, Josh, and how do you away? Answer that Joe, like I get that question too. I don't know how to answer it. I'm a muscle memory guy, and it actually uh, Richard Rush brought brought it back up on the Humpty Hotline. For me, there's something to be said for going through those motions and going through those checks and going through all those line things. They were pumping crowd noise in, I think, at 81 decibels or 85 decibels, which is clearly not. And I know you you play an instrument. You've been in bands, which is not 95 or 100 decibels. It's totally different. But there's something about that muscle memory of making those checks, seeing the defense. If you can get those repetitions, to me. In live game combat situations, almost like you're at home for 16 games straight, other than the Kansas City game in the championship where they had whatever it was, 22,000 fans. To me, that's going to do a lot for Allen and his like just coming to the line and pre snap stuff. Uh, I don't know that he'll be as rattled if it's, you know, I'm, you know, they're throwing stuff at me. I'm not gelling with whatever it is I'm gelling with, and the crowd's obnoxious. Now it's just the crowd's obnoxious, and he should have, in my opinion a pretty easy pass at the rest of it. He read defenses, in my opinion, pretty well last year. You could correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he did pretty well at kind of scheming out of whatever it is they were trying to do and going to where he was supposed to put the ball. I think the most convincing thing that I've come up with on this conversation is all of the quarterbacks had the same opportunity to excel with the no crowds. Why were there not more Josh Allen stories? Why was Josh Allen the only one that really – played at a level that exceeded at people's expectations. Well, it's it's the it's the 5% rule, right? Or whatever it is. I mean, it's there's a there's an aspect to uh, <laughs> as much as as much as they're all playing quarterback at the professional level, they're not all professional quarterbacks. There's just something different in the wiring, in the makeup, in the in the in the preparation, there's something different in the way that he's being built, in the way that he's studying, the way that he's being shown to prepare. It's just different in my opinion than it is for Mitch Trubisky, who's now the backup for the Buffalo Bills, agree. I mean, it, you don't know, right? I mean, some guys, it's, it's, it's. I'm trying to, I'm trying to find an analogy or metaphor that it's like. I mean, it's, it's different for everybody, and you know, not everybody's Tom Brady, not everybody's Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning sees the field differently than everybody else. Peyton Manning sees the field differently than Eli sees the field or saw sure. the field, right? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the only thing. I mean, imagine Peyton Manning in a crowdless season. Oh, you're done. Just a complete surgeon. <laughs> <laughs> They'd score every drive, right? Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it's a, so I mean, I think there's an aspect to that. I mean, you're you just the confidence for me going back to the question of how Josh is going to be when the crowd shows up. The confidence that he should have going into this season when the crowds do show up, it, the crowds I don't think should affect him as much. But that's I could be completely wrong. I, clearly, I could be completely wrong.
you know, it's all conjecture at this point. So uh, they added Carson Wentz, Sam Tevi uh, on the uh, Tevi uh, on the offensive line. Uh, they lost Anthony Walker. Home field advantage. There, you know, uh, we're at home against the Colts. I don't know that there's home field advantage even at Lucas Field. I don't know if you've ever been to Lucas Field for a football game. Uh, their their fans aren't that great. But uh, this, to me, where you fall on this, should win, could win, going to be tough. I'm I'm at a, I'm probably at a should win. Yeah, should win. It's a it's a it's a losable game in my mind. Like mm-hmm. as I go through and I say the Bills could lose this game, it's it falls into that criteria. But I, I I would like to think a home game against the Indianapolis Colts is one that the Bills should win. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh the next week, week eleven, Saints, Jameis Winston. Yay. Jameis Winston is finally gonna get a place of football again. Or it I guess it could be uh, uh Taysom Hill, right? we have no mm-hmm. idea necessarily who's going to be playing quarterback, but right now it looks like it's gonna be Jameis Winston. My question to you is this: Can Sean Payton turn him around like he did with Brees? I mean, when 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 you think about, and I think you and I talked about this, when Sean got Drew Brees, Drew Brees wasn't Drew Brees. There was very much a, do you want Brees? Do you want Culpepper? And I was in the Culpepper camp, not necessarily because of the injury, but because I felt like Culpepper had probably more to offer as a passing quarterback than Drew Brees did. Then Sean Payton gets his hands on him and turns him into a Hall of Fame quarterback. Is he? Are we talking about part two? No, I don't think so. I think I think both Jameis and and Ty- Taysom Hill are, are very limiting players. Whether it's the interceptions with Winston, the fumbles with with Hill, the the, the complete lack of throwing acumen that exists right. with with Taysom Hill, I, I think they're too limiting. And this team, from a depth perspective throughout, has really taken a major hit because of their salary cap situation. You know, they've had to really purge. <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of what made that team so deep. Um, I think there's an argument to be made that the quarterback play with Drew Brees last year wasn't very good, and right. they still won a lot of football games. Right. So I do think there's a baseline because Sean Payton's your coach, because there is talent on the roster, because you do have good trench play on offense and defense. Like you have a fighting chance. But I I think about this team somewhat like I did the Patriots last year, where I think they can get to seven or eight wins, maybe nine, mm-hmm. but they're not a team that I I think is a surefire playoff team. Right. Yeah, no, I feel I feel that for sure. And they added also a big pass rusher. And I put it in my notes. I can't say his name. Who did they add? Uh, with Pat for the Saints? Yes, they drafted Peyton Turner. No, I thought they added a guy in free agency. And I literally I didn't write his name down, but I couldn't pronounce his name. I literally it was a joke. I was like, I can't say his name. <laughs> Meaningful? I the name is escaping here. Uh, they lost Trey Hendrickson. I could probably tell you. Two seconds, maybe. I don't know if my tabs are all gone. Oh, are you thinking of the uh, Tano Passignon uh, from the Chiefs? Uh, kind yes. of a hybrid linebacker, edge player. He's he's as average as they come. He doesn't change anything for them. Gotcha, gotcha. Very good, very good. Uh, to me, what I put in my notes is this making uh, this game has the makings of a fun Thanksgiving QBs, et cetera, but uh, haven't fared well in recent history. I don't know why I put that necessarily looking back now, um, but uh, there's the, 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 the Saints – how do I want to say this? The Bills have never necessarily... Oh, that's because it's a Thanksgiving Day game. That's why I put that. The Bills have never necessarily fared well against the Saints. There's, it's funny how like matchups and team matchups and his, as histories go, and even as I'm saying this, somebody's running, probably going to get into pro football reference and prove me wrong, but it doesn't seem like necessarily the Bills have historically played the Saints great, um, which potentially le- lends me to a little bit of concern. However, to the point that I put here... Um, this game does have the makings of a very fun Thanksgiving football game in prime time for the Bills starting at 8 o'clock or 8.30 where the Bills could just go in and potentially just slaughter 
the Saints in that football game. I don't know. What trouble do you see? Or do you feel that this is a game that's potentially winnable? Yeah, I think the challenge for the Saints is going to be scoring with the Bills. That's going to be the problem. Right. Uh, McDermott knows Sean Payton from their time together in the NFC South. Like that, there's there's nothing they're not going to be be ready for. But if you if you wanted to to come up with the path for the Bills to lose this game, it's because I mean I do think that they have a very good offensive line, a very good defensive line, and they have a dynamic back in Alvin Kamara. If they play a clock control game and are efficient. You know, like that. There's going to be some challenges that exist there. Yeah, Alvin but, Kamara is just another animal. He's just a different animal. He just, it's just. Yeah, he's a good. He's a good point. Like, and and he can challenge. It's not just the running ability. It's it's what he brings as a pass catcher. So, like, if they can play clock control and and not turn over the football and you know shorten the game, I think they and they're at home in a short week. You know, what I mean, like there are factors that are favorable for New Orleans. Do you you're talking about if New Orleans plays clock control, not the Bills? Yeah, no, not the Bills. The oh, Bills should go in and try to score as many points as they can and say, okay, see if you can match us. Right. I was going to say because I know that there's a lot of great coaching philosophies based around that concept of like we're going to slow or speed this game up, you know, limit the possessions, do all that kind of stuff. Um, but to me, I just don't feel that the Bills are equipped to do that well. The Bills are equipped to sling the ball all over the football. Yeah, field. it's the Colts game plan. You go out and you don't you don't run it one time in the first half and try to score as many points as you can and see, have the, the Saints chasing you all game long. Right. And right. see if somebody not named uh, Michael Michael, uh, Michael Thomas or Alvin Kamara can beat you. They don't yeah. have the, those ancillary weapons. Don't don't they're they're, they're not there for New Orleans. Right. Like Kamara's a, an elite running back. Thomas is an elite receiver. But they don't have anything else, and I mean literally nothing else that that's of concern. Right. So, right. you focus in on those players and make a a bottom five quarterback in the NFL use other weapons to beat you. Like I'll take my chances. Yeah, it, Alvin Kamara scares the living crap out of me. But even looking to twenty twenty, when the Bills did not have the best defense or weren't trucking out the best defense that they that we've seen in some time. They never seem to have a ton of trouble with those big name running backs. They do a very good job of scheming them down. So yeah. it it'll be interesting. But that to me is probably a should win game. It's funny to me this this when you break this schedule down game by game, outside of a couple games, the Tampa game, right, the the couple Dolphins games. There's not a whole lot of games on this schedule that have you kind of shaken in your boots, right? The Chiefs game. I mean. That has something to do with the schedule, but it also has something to do with who the Bills are as a football team. Very right? well said. So well said. Yeah, let's keep that in mind. You know. Well said. I have an overarching. When, when we get through this, I have an overarching point that I'll make. Cool. All right. Well, then we'll we've only got a couple games left. Uh, New England at home. Uh, Cam is injured. At least right now, it's a bone bruise. Clearly, he's not going to be injured when the season starts. However, is this is an opportunity for Mac Jones going into coming out of OTAs, going into mandatory camp. It's potential for him to take that spot and run away with it. Yeah. Yeah. So I do think that's a real possibility. Um, the the Patriots roster was terrible last year. Terrible. And I, I, I preach this message all, all offseason long where I'm like, this team has three difference makers. They're they're guards, Shaq Mason, uh, and and at the time Joe Tooney, who's now on the Chiefs, and Stefan Gilmore at corner. Like they, they don't have any other difference makers. Mm-hmm. Joe, they won seven games last year. They're seven and nine with with, right. with no ability to throw the football. The worst receivers and tight ends you've ever seen. They were almost and, eight and eight. Had had Justin Zimmer not knocked that ball out, they were they were almost eight and eight. You're damn right. Right. So 
put some, let's put a little respect on this team. They, they got better. Like we could talk about whether or not the way they got better was responsible, but this is a far, this is a markedly more talented football team now than it was last year. And right. you would think with Mac Jones being at quarterback, and I'm, I don't think the world of Mac Jones, I'll tell you that, but the ability to execute throws compared to what we saw from Cam Newton last year should be a lot better. Yeah, for sure. So like there, there's there, the, the Patriots are a better football team now. And yeah. obviously, Bill Belichick getting seven wins out of that that team last year was was sensational in my mind. There's a mystique, right? It's not the Raider mystique; it's a Patriot mystique. There's just something about going up against Bill Belichick, and I there's yeah. a the Bills have 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 bowed to it for 20 years. And last season, obviously, we swept the Patriots, which was great. Uh, and you hope that they're they're beyond it. But Bill Belichick to me is building something. And I, you know, you bring in John Smith, you bring in Hunter Henry, and they're going back to that double tight end offense thing, potentially with a running quarterback in Cam or a rookie in in Mac Jones. They're building that old Gronk Hernandez offense that nobody wants to play and people don't have the ability to defend, right? I mean, this is going to be a tough offense to play if they gadget you to death. Well, th- those are difficult players to defend and they have a very physical talented run blocking offensive line this is a massive unit that's going to get downhill you know mm-hmm. they like to create extra gaps in the run game and and damian harris is a a cerebral runner that that's going to find daylight and he's going to run with low pads and he's going to fall forward i mean so it's going to be this power gap man blocking run scheme with two outstanding tight ends and and i think there's a chance they play both quarterbacks i mean because the best thing that that team did last year offensively was run the ball with Cam Newton. Mm. So preserve that, but then have your throwing quarterback in Mac Jones with better receivers, right? Like I don't love Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar, but those are better players than what they trotted out there last year. So right. I think they have opportunity with this offense, and I think defensively they'll be terrific with, with some of their upgrades, plus the greatest defensive game planner in the history of the NFL and Bill Belichick. Right. Like They're going to be a tough team to play. I'm it's it's I'm more cons- I'm more concerned and scared of them than I, than I am the Dolphins and it just literally comes down to the Belichick piece uh coupled with them putting an offense out there that not only us but nobody is going to necessarily and, and the hopes is is by the time we see them at week 12 somebody has figured it out somebody's figured out somebody because they don't have a runner they don't have a wide receiver really uh, I mean they're, they're gonna throw it to Nikhil Harry they don't have right, a wide yeah. receiver on that football team that's, yeah, it doesn't scare you. The challenge is, is yeah, the Bills went six and zero in the division last year. Right. Do we really think they're going to go on a twelve game win streak in the division? Like that's just not that's not probably normal. It's unlikely. Not. Like yeah. I think they probably drop one of these games to New England. Do you think it's New England? Yeah, gotcha. What about the other? What about the? Obviously, I feel they're going to sweep the Jets. Dolphins drop one of the Dolphins, possibly. Man, um, the the Dolphin the Bills have won five of the last six against Miami. Mm. The only one being the. When I got, I would say Josh Allen left the ball short to Charles Clay in the end zone. That's the only reason they haven't won the last six, won seven of the last eight. Josh Allen owns the Dolphins uh, until, like, until Miami proves that they're ready to hang with Buffalo. Right. I don't. I sort of feel. I sort of feel like the Bills should handle them. I, I get nervous about Week Two in Miami because it's going to be hot as hell and it's their season, their home opener, sure. and all those sure. dynamics. Yeah, we talked about that on the other yeah. episode for yeah. sure. Uh, Matthew Parker or Mastin Parker, I just want to bring this in. Says neither Hunter Henry nor Geno Smith is Gronk, so I don't know if they're going to uh, be more than Gronk Hernandez. It's not about being more than Gronk or Hernandez. The reality is, is what were you going to say? Stylistically, that that type of play, yeah, yeah. It's it, they're they're still two. You don't want to. I don't want to face one of them, let alone have to face two of them. 
on the football field at the same time. And if you've got one lineup as a halfback in the backfield, which I'm sure I, I know we saw Hunter Henry do it last year against the Bills. And I'm sure John o. Smith could probably do it as well. It's just not a formation I want to see. We saw it a lot when they had Hernandez and they had Gronk. And it was just, it, it was really super, super tough to stop. So where are you landing on this one? You, you feel like they're going to drop one of these football games. Man, I, I have a hard time wanting to believe they're going to drop a game to Cam. Right? But... What what if it's not just like I think there's a real chance that they played two quarterbacks every game? Yeah, Man. the best the, the best thing that offense did last year was run the ball with Cam Newton. I would want to preserve those dynamics. Gotcha. And have him throw the ball way less, but you could still throw the ball out of those formations, do, tapping into the zone read and doing some RPO stuff with Cam and getting him on the move and like say, okay, you want to you want to load up in the box you want to be plus one in the box i can still make a throw right you know? right <laughs> but it, but it just to me it's it screams when cam's on the field he's going to run it, like there's going to be no i don't know he, so he the, sure. the patriots would love it if you went base they would love that they want to dictate that matchup for sure for sure i just i, I just don't have any confidence in cam's arm i think there's something wrong there i, th- I felt it for the last couple of years that i've said I it felt the that since 2016 joe but I, <laughs> <laughs> but i think but think about it okay like in a reduced role Right. You know, like, I know that this is very weird in terms of NFL discussion points, but Mac Jones kind of a one-year starter at Alabama with modest physical gifts. Like, right. he's a bad right. athlete. He doesn't have big-time arm, but he's a smart processor with reasonable accuracy. So you kind of just, like, use all the skill sets at your disposal to try to score points. Yeah. I yeah. think like they have the right makeup to kind of do something like this. This is going to be another one of the situations where the Bills need to come out and they need to put 45 up and say come on can you come with us oh sure yeah yeah if you pour it on they're, they're not if you get to 30 they're not getting there they're not right. getting to 30 right yeah because they're gonna dink and dunk if mac jones plays football or plays in this football game or plays the whole time starts they're gonna dink and dunk their way down the football field and it's gonna take a lot of time it's just yeah. it's just one of those situations so yeah i, I think i should win is probably where both of us are landing and then the fun game. There's a lot of Buffalo Bills fans that are thinking about heading to Tampa and playing <laughs> Tampa. We are going to that Tampa game in Tampa, week 13, against the greatest quarterback who has ever played, as far as the winningest quarterback that's ever played football, is at least in recent memory. They brought back everyone, every single player, 22 of 22 players to include Antonio Brown, which is scary. Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, Chris Godwin are on that football team. Uh, the defense is solid. It just it's it's hard to believe that Tom Brady found himself a football team that may have been better than the Patriots have been in a very long time. Like it's just it's just incredible. I mean, is there anything else to say? This this game's going to be trouble. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. And, and Tom Brady's thirty two and three all time against the Buffalo Bills. I'm sure you remember that. I don't want to um, think about it. Well, <laughs> we, so we, I mean, what was McDermott was zero and four. Mm-hmm. Against was it or it's zero oh and six? They played zero oh and six. Yeah, I and then mean, he swept them, and then he swept them. No, it's it's he's got all the notes, man. You know, <laughs> he's he's got all the notes. And what's right. funny about it is is I said last year that I felt that that Chiefs game in week what was a week six or week eight when they came to Buffalo was going to be very much a litmus test or a benchmark. Where is this football team versus the Chiefs? And it's almost I feel like week 13 is that game this year where we're going to get a very good look. This is going to be the test where are the bills at and what is the postseason potentially going to look like and how they play that football game. And it's going to come down to another situation. How are the bills going to scheme it? How are they going to play against Tampa? Are they going to do something cute and silly? Are they going to try to figure out? I, I just don't have an answer. How do you defend that football team? How do you stop them? 
I'll say this about the Tampa Bay game, and I think we all feel some type of way about it. If I can just bring some perspective here, it's one of the least important games on the schedule. Mm-hmm. Like the the good part about it is, is it's a potential team that if you get to the Super Bowl, you can play. And I think that's advantage Bills if you right. do have that opportunity to play during right. the regular season that meet again in the Super Bowl. But if the Bills lose this game, it doesn't. It's like losing to Arizona. Like you would rather lose this game than Indy. You'd rather lose For this sure. game. You know, it's, or you know, like it's yep, a non-conference yep. game. At the end of the day, like if the Bills lose to the to the Buccaneers, like don't. It's not the end of the world. It's it's really not. Yeah. No, I agree. So so we trucking all of our backups out there, <laughs> showing them nothing. I don't think you do that because <laughs> I mean, if you have a chance at the one seed and you guarantee home field, then you you do that, right? I'm, te- but like, I'm, te- I'm teasing. So, yeah. but that's a that's a that's a, it's just it's incredible what they have done on that football team. And I think they've franchise. had talent. I think it's a statement of of how Jameis has limited the football team, bro. Mm. I, this guy turnovers like it, it kills you. Yeah, for sure. He just was, didn't protect the football. What was the number nineteen? Was it thirty? How many interceptions did he throw? He's a 30-30 club. That's unreal. Yeah, yeah, it's in, it's unbelievable. unbelievable. Unreal. Week fourteen, Carolina. Sam Darnold. Buffalo Bills are very familiar with Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold's very familiar with the Buffalo Bills. Um, is this a rebirth for Sam? Much like Carson Wentz, potentially. Uh the the difference there is Carson Wentz can point to a time in his career in the NFL where he played. He's well. good. Yeah. yeah he's so good. that that's the challenge. With I think it was a reasonable swing for Carolina reasonable i don't love it because i do think justin fields is a markedly better solution for them at quarterback right um i think what's interesting about the panthers offensively this is a joe brady led offense they're going to go four or five wide receivers spread empty you know five man protections they're going to space you out they're going to put they're going to put some stress they got good players in dj moore Robbie Anderson, Christian McCaffrey, Flex. I mean, th- th- there there are challenges here. Plus, they drafted right. Terrace Marshall, who's a height, weight, speed guy this past year. I, their makeup of their weaponry offensively is really, really nice. Sam Darnold's a question, and so is their offensive line. I mean, their offensive line has been bad for a long time. I don't know that they've done enough this year for me to say, oh, yeah, well, they got that figured out. The, the, the fun part about Carolina is I think they're building a really, really good defense in terms of young talent. Uh, Derek Brown and Brian Burns and, mm. and J.C. Horn, a player they just brought in this year. Jeremy Chin, a safety from last year. Uh, right. Gross Models. They got a lot of young talent on defense. I don't know that it all comes together this year, and I still think they have a hole at one safety spot. Their other corner spot's a major concern. I don't love their Mike linebacker situation. Mm. I think they need another defensive tackle. Like they're they're very much still building this thing. They gave Matt Rule a seven year deal. Like it, it's not all in the on this year being the one where they have to go out and make their noise. I like where they're headed. I don't think they're ready to hang with the Bills late in the season in Orchard Park. Mm. That's literally literally my my B note. Darnold is familiar with Highmark, Bill Stadium, but Carolina in Buffalo in mid December. Yes, please give me that. Yeah. Like give yeah. me that, give me that all day long, and that's what's funny too. Is as Bills fans continue to com- like have our conversations about domes and new stadiums, and like the snow affects our team just as bad as it affects theirs. And there, and you live in North Carolina, living in North Carolina and living in the South is not the same thing. If you're here from September to December, your body adjusts differently than if you're living in the South. Dude, um, go ahead. I go to Indianapolis every year for the combine. Yep, it's in February, and. I can't describe you how describe you how uncomfortable I am when I'm outside in Indianapolis <laughs> in February. Like, and I'm sure I, I've lived in Western New York. I understand. I, I know right. what that's like, but I haven't lived there in twenty something years. Sure. But when I go to Indianapolis and it's and there's a little bit of wind, mm. I describe the way I feel as if you're taking a vegetable peeler 
and just going down my face <laughs> with how bad that hurts. You right. know what I mean? Because it's 30 right. and windy outside. Right, for sure. Yeah. I could not sure. imagine yeah, and it's, playing and it's, football in it. It's always the conversation of, yeah, but all these kids are from the South. They're all from like, you know, SEC and stuff like that. It's like, it doesn't matter. They're here from September right. to December. And they, they build a tolerance to it. And when it changes every day and the weather gets a little bit colder every day, it, there's just a yeah. different. And I, that was one of the things that McDermott did with the, with his his football team is he started putting them outside and practicing in the elements, which the Bills did not do for decades. They didn't practice outside the elements. And there's something to be said for being like accustomed to this this weather and this what's kind of going on here. So Carolina, give me Carolina in the wintertime in Buffalo, and I'll put that as a should win mm. as well. Yeah. Week week 15, New England uh, in New England. We'll skip over that one. Last one on the schedule because the Jets are the final game, and that's the Jets in New Jersey, which is probably potentially going to be a meaningless football game. Uh, 16, week 16, Atlanta in Buffalo, another Southern team, Dome team coming to Buffalo. Good night. I mean, it's you're talking about, I mean, who knows what the weather's going to be like. Then it could be nice. It could be mild. It could be treacherous. Uh, they've obviously Matt Ryan, Matty Ice uh, is the quarterback. They've just lost Julio Jones. They've got Calvin Ridley, and they've got a great offensive scheme. They've got Pitts, right? They drafted Pitts. Yeah. So they don't have enough. They don't have enough to hang. Like defensively, this this back seven is a, is there's just nothing to be nervous about. Like Grady Jarrett's a really good player up front for them on the defensive at defensive tackle. Dante mm. Fowler's an okay pass rusher, but like. There's just not enough answers on this defense. I know Dean Pease is their coordinator, and he's had a wonderful career in the NFL. Like He'll help elevate that talent, but I still think they're too talent deficient on defense. And I mean, we, we think Pitts is going to be really good, but he's a rookie, and, and they have Calvin Ridley, but I'm not sure that there's a whole lot else on this offense that moves the needle. I, I right. think Atlanta's a four, five, six-win team to me. Wow, that low. Well, they won four last year, and I don't think they got better. Do you feel talk to me about this term generational talent as it pertains to Pitts? Generational talent. Because because the Jets got laughed out of the building for drafting a tight end in the first round, right? Years and years ago. And it's just what you want to talk about things you don't do in the NFL. You don't draft a running back in the first round. You don't draft a tight end in the first round either. Is this kid really going to be that good? He's he's really special. I, I'll say that. And and I don't think it's fair to say that he's just a tight end because he plays a lot of slot. He plays a lot about wide and Gotcha. Right, his ability to sink his hips and run routes at six foot five is is really unreal, and his speed and explosiveness, like he's going to be a problem. Like think about Darren Waller and what he brings to the Raiders. I think he's that type of guy. I mean, maybe yeah. a little bit more dynamic in terms of. I, lo- I love Darren Waller. So I, I mean, I think that's what they added. You know, yeah. and I, if I told you you can get Darren Waller in the top ten, you do it right. So absolutely, I, I think that's the, the 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 problem for me, Joe, is I don't think. I don't look at this Atlanta team and say that that's what that was the missing piece. Okay, now they're ready to go compete. Right, right. And so I think they're. I, I don't think they were honest with themselves about where they are as a football team because from a talent perspective, I think they have issues everywhere. So you either trade back and get yourself all the assets you need Thanks. to build this roster, or you take the quarterback. Except they can't sign the ones they have, so they had to, they had to they had to trade Julio Jones to get cap space to because be able the to- salary cap is real. Right, because the salary cap is real. Four hundred sixty-eight thousand dollars, I think, was the number I saw coming into before the before the pick or before the trade of Julio Jones to sign so, all the draft picks. And so the agents were, are telling the agents are telling the rookies right. don't sign. <laughs> so you can have, and that's the thing is, if they if they thought they were in a position to go compete this year, then keep Julio Jones. Right. You have mixed messaging with your roster construction. Like you what? can't have one toe in the water and one out. Like that's a disaster for being six and ten. 
I like what you said about trading back, about moving out of that spot, finding somebody that wants to come up and get pits because there had to be a number of teams. Or the were, other quarterbacks were still on the board. Right, right. I mean, are they going to move on from Matt Ryan? Who knows? But if they stayed in that spot, who are they taking besides Pitts that's going to work out better for them? Quarterback or are you going to go? Uh, quarterback. Quarterback, yeah. which one? Fields. Fields, Justin. You, you're high on Justin Fields. Oh, man. As yeah. I should be. As I should be, he said. Yeah. Um, I'm just not a – it's – oh, man. And I, I'm not saying it's uh, – It's. how do I want to say this? I've I've never been big on Ohio State quarterbacks. Oh, and I lived, in, this, I lived in I lived in I lived in Columbus for I lived in Columbus for a, I lived in for a long time. Don't brother. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Those hate, are all I unique human beings. They are all unique human beings. But when you, I mean, going back to Troy Smith, and I mean, all those guys just want. And obviously, you know, uh, Terrell Pryor was different. His, the way he threw was not. It was very Cam Newton esque. Like it was just. He's like, a receiver. Here, here's the, here's wrong the, with it. I faced this is a narrative I had to fight during the draft season as a draft guy. Yep. The difference between. Justin Fields and all of the other previous Ohio State quarterbacks that failed is is Justin Fields is actually a quarterback. Terrell Pryor is a wide receiver trying to play quarterback. uh, Smith, what the heck's his first name? Troy. Troy Smith. Yep. Wide receiver trying to play quarterback. The Braxton Miller, wide receiver trying to play quarterback. Uh, the Cardell, Cardell Jones. There's tons of them. Uh, right. Cardell Jones said he wasn't going to hide Ohio State to play school. I mean, (laughs) I mean, you have other issues there. Dwayne, let me tell you a story about Dwayne Haskins. Haskins, yeah. My father-in-law, big Washington football team fan, loves him. Season ticket holder for like 30 years. Yeah. So he went up to camp after they drafted Dwayne Haskins. And, you know, he comes over and he's going to sign an autograph. And Dwayne's super nice and he signs the autograph and says, um, he says, hey, where are you guys from? He says, "We're, we're from Charlotte, North Carolina. Or he said, we're from Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. He goes, oh, where's that? He goes. It, he goes. It's where the Panthers play. He goes. Oh, really? How do you not know that? Mm. How do you not know that? <laughs> my wife. <laughs> my wife graduated from OSU. I don't want to answer this question, <laughs> dude. There's a, there's a really cool YouTube series from uh, Men's Health, I think, where they do how I spent my first million. Do you ever watch this? Have Never, you ever heard no. of this? No. So that they put athletes on there and they say, "How did you spend your first million dollars?" And Dwayne Haskins was on there. And let me just tell you, this was some of the dumbest purchases I've ever seen. And I and I watch this all the time. I just recently watched Justin Jefferson. Tua was on there recently, and I really enjoyed his. But Dwayne Haskins, like, you just watch this, and you're like, this guy's just not, like, he's not wired play, wrong. Not he's playing wired with the fullback. Yeah. No, dude. <laughs> not the sharpest pencil in the box. No. Like, <laughs> line them up, all the sayings. Oh my gosh! So that's all of them. I, you know, I, I know you don't want to make a, a, a schedule prediction for me. This is absolutely thirteen and four, twelve and five range for this for this for the schedule for this. It just it screams AFC East championship. Uh, you know, going back to some home field advantage stuff in the playoffs. And I'm not even gonna. I mean, I don't know if you want to say something as far as that goes. I don't want you to commit to anything. I know you said you didn't necessarily want to, but yeah. But I, I this is so. This is the overarching thing that I'll say about this schedule, and this yeah, is yeah. how I've. This is how I've processed where I think the bills will settle. Um, if you'll bear with me, let me go through the schedule yeah, and I'm yeah. going to identify every game that I think is a reasonable possibility that they lose. What before you do that? So yeah. uh, b- before it's, it's been an hour, I don't want to keep you super long. And the last time we kept you, I think for an hour and 20, I don't want to keep you that long tonight. Cause I know you're, you're super busy. If anybody has any questions while Joe does this overarching thing, if you've got questions for Joe, throw them in the comment section, we'll ask him a couple questions and we'll get them out of here. So go ahead. 
All right, so realistic games. I think, hey, the Bills could lose that game. Right. Let's do this. Pittsburgh. I think so. Miami. Really? Yeah. No, reasonable chance, Joe. I'm not I'm not predicting that they lose it. Right, I'm right, saying, right, right. Oh, you know what? My world wouldn't be turned upside down if the Bills lost that game. Like True. there's a path for it to happen. All right. Pittsburgh, yes. Miami, yes. Washington, yes. Yes, excuse me. Houston, no. At Kansas City, yes. At Tennessee, yes. I am not going to say Miami coming out of the bye at home is in this category. Mm-hmm. At Jacksonville, no, that's not in it. At the Jets, no. Indianapolis, yes. At the Saints, yes. New England, once, yes. Tampa Bay, once, yes. That's it. Nine. I think there are nine games on this schedule that I think the Bills have a puncher's chance at losing, okay? Mm-hmm. I also think that their ceiling is losing only three games, okay? Agreed. I think the best the Bills can be this year is what 17 games. All the numbers are weird. 14 and three. So if I think that the low end is three and the high end is nine, what's the middle? Six? Five, six, yeah, probably. Okay, and that's and that's not giving the Bills a good football team the benefit of the doubt. Mm. I think they lose between three and five games. I mean, that's where I'm at. Yeah, I mean, like I, that that's not going through win loss and like, but I think when you, it's it, the Bills are favored in every single game except for Kansas City right now, right? If I'm not mistaken, is it, uh, they're not favored in that Tampa game. Okay, so they're the favorite to win right now in 15 out of 17 games. That's crazy. So if you just go through and say, oh, win, 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 you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah you're probably yeah. going to get to 14 or whatever it is. I can't do the math now. 15 and two. Is that how it goes now? It's, it's not. But yes, 15 and two. That's weird. So like, I just don't. That's just not a good way to do it because it it doesn't just it's never chalk. Right. Right. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think sure. that the range of losses is three to nine, somewhere in the middle of six. They're, that's giving them no benefit of the doubt. Cut a few off. They're three to five loose team. Gotcha. I'm t- same place. Sam Teets asks, Joe, where do you think Josh Allen finishes among the top 10 QBs in the NFL this year? Where are we saying he was last year? Uh, Two? I, I th- three is probably where I would have put him. Behind Mahomes and Rodgers? Or yeah. behind Brady and... Mahomes and Rodgers. Behind Mahomes and Rodgers. Stat-wise. I mean, Brady is always going to get the like the Brady love. He's always going to be, as long as Brady's in the league. Yeah, so do we think... More. Okay, is our measuring stick stats... Probably. It's so, probably, are we going to assume that the is Josh Allen going to drop back to pass on forty two point three plays per game again next year? Like, there's a volume component to this that makes it challenging. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Will they be the exact same like run pass splits? Will there be? Do you do you, do you fit fix what's not broken? I mean, this isn't marketing, right? It's not broken. We'll break it. Like, have I have I given you my statistics about the Chiefs? They haven't been figured out yet. Right, you have not given me statistics about the Chiefs. Something we have to talk about. Do you feel that? I mean, I don't feel that. They, I don't feel that Josh. There's no book on Josh Allen yet. And every time there was right. a book starting to open on Josh Allen, he went to work and defeated whatever they were throwing at him. Here's, I did this project. Okay. On the Chiefs. Okay. Over the last two years, the Chiefs have lost five football games that matter. Okay, they've lost seven. But I'm eliminating two of them. One is week 17 last year where they didn't play any other guys. Right. And there's one game in 2019 um, uh, where their starting quarterback was Matt Moore. Okay. So I'm not counting that. So I'm talking Patrick Mahomes, competitive football games. Sure. They've lost five games in the last two years. Let's talk about those five games really, really quick. I won't go yeah, too yeah. long here. Give it to me. 2020 against the Raiders. The Raiders ran the ball 35 times. 
for 144 yards and two touchdowns. 2020 in the Super Bowl against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay ran the ball 33 times, 145 yards and one touchdown. Tennessee in 2019, they ran the ball 26 times, 225 yards, two touchdowns. 2019 against the Colts, a game they lost. The Colts ran it 45 times, 180 yards, one touchdown. In 2019 against the Houston Texans, the Texans ran it 41 times, 192 yards, three touchdowns. Those are the five football games that the Chiefs lost the last two years. The average, the average was 36 rushing attempts, 177 yards, two touchdowns, and 4.92 yards per carry. The problem, Joe, with the Chiefs and the Bills is the Bills have to be willing to adopt the game script that isn't the one that they typically lean on to win football games. You have to run the ball effectively against Kansas City, and that's coming for somebody that wants to see the Bills throw it 70% of the time. We have got to be honest about this. That 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 moves me into a conversation in the chat that we had just about uh, who's important as it pertains to the sustainability of the Bills being successful. <laughs> you're, I mean, you're putting on the run like the Bills are, running back is going to be important, right? It's not the running back; it's run, rushing success right. against That's Kansas City, right? Specifically That's against it doesn't run, matter against any other team, right? Running the football, matter. playing defense, and running the football is going to be the most important thing against, in that game. In, in that game, in that game, yeah. Yeah, dude, those numbers are off the charts, man. That's crazy. I did not know that. That's actually, yeah, that's when you talk about an average of 176 yards on the ground. What was it? 33, 33 36 rushing attempts, 36 rushing attempts, two touchdowns, 4.9 yards. A carry. Are you willing to do it? Are the Bills willing to go in Kansas City and say, we're going to run the ball 30 times at I least? I don't bite my fingernails and I would not have fingernails after that football game. Would you? <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine sitting there watching that? It seems like that's what the Bills tried to do last year in week six, right? They tried to let them run, and we were going to run, and it didn't work. No, it did work. Sean McDermott introduced enough variance in that football game that if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is this much higher off the ground with that fumble, you know, at the end of the game, yep, he yep. fumbled, and yep. that would give him a short field. The Bills had a chance to take the lead. Here's the, here's the one thing that didn't work in that game in week six. This is the one thing that we didn't account for is that the Bills' offense wasn't very good that day. They weren't good. They didn't score. Josh Allen was still hurt, right? That, that, was, that was the piece of that game plan that just didn't work. They're, you didn't count on their offense being that bad. It's crazy. And, and, and what happened in the AFC Championship game? They said, all right, Josh, we think you're the NFL MVP. Go win this thing. You think? Oh. Yeah, that's exactly what they did. They say, hey, go do it, man. Go do it. But You're they our guy. They didn't protect him, and guys didn't get open, and the defense was a shell. To me, that was such a. I still, I still land at, and we. I love this conversation. I still land on ownership coming out and saying we want to change the rule that no NFL offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator or high level whatever management personnel person can interview for another job until after the championship games are completed. That to me tells me that ownership felt like their coaches were distracted. Of course, that's that, that's not debatable. There's a there's a there's a time amount that exists, and part of the time that they had to prepare for that game was taken up by interviewing with those. I mean, you have to imagine, dude. Like you're going to go interview to be a head coach in the NFL. You have to go in there and present your vision for that football team to them. It, you don't just oh let me just let me go to rlads.com and check out the depth chart here. You know, like right. come on, like right. Right. So I'm not. I, I'm not going to say that's the reason why, but it didn't help. At the same time, we've seen teams with these same dynamics win football games too. Where like it's not. It's not a tried and true like. 
we, we it's not mattered for other teams. For sure. For sure. But yeah, that's a difficult dynamic. All right. Last question. Last question. Joe Marino from Richard Rush. Joe Marino, do you know anything about Stevenson? Anything You're talking about Marquez Stevenson? I'm sure. I wrote a full Scott. I've, I've been watching this player for three years at Houston. What do you, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> uh, give us a, give us the breakdown. My my guess is there's a lot of expectation about him being a punt returner, kick returner. Yeah. Okay, so first of all, he's not a. This oh, we gotta we gotta address something right now. He's not a punt returner. He's okay. never returned a punt at Houston. Really, and the fact that he was so good at being a kick returner, where he had three touchdowns and averaged 28 yards per return, says everything you need to know. There, there's there's something about the way that the Houston coaching staff felt about Marquez Stevenson, where they said, "We're not putting you in there in those situations." Whether it was a, a, a judgment, right, like when to right. field it, when to let it bounce, whether right. it was securely, you know, fielding the football in those situations, they didn't feel comfortable. Uh, I like Marquez Stevenson. There were, I would say, again, he's in my region, so like I know him very intimately. Um, there were times when I watched him play. I wouldn't say there were times. Every time I watched him play, I thought he was the most dynamic athlete on the field, mm. especially at, at Houston and in the AAC teams that they played up against. Right. I think he very much benefited from being a very dynamic athlete in a spread offense, right? So you have a lot of spacing. You have inferior competition, and so that's very easy to get open. And so he didn't have to run a lot of nuanced routes. He didn't have to run a ton of routes, right? It, sure. it took care of itself when you're just more athletic than everyone that you're, you're, you're facing it. You just, you make a lot of plays. So I think he benefited from that. And so I think he has a curve ahead of him in terms of, all right, what's it going to take to get open in the NFL? Like I like the physical skill sets that's there for mm -hmm. him to develop as a route runner, but he's going to have to learn that how he got open at Houston is going to be very, very different than what it's going to take to get open in the NFL. So he can't just be the fastest guy on the, on the field and, and have production because of that. He's not a guy that's going to extend the catch radius, right? So like he right. has to get open to make plays. Right. Um, I like him after the catch. He's very creative. So like, I, I think he's a, he's a plus version of what you have in Isaiah McKenzie. Mm. And you still have the same questions about the punt return. Like, there's a lot to like here, but like, I, what are the expectations that people have for Marquez Stevenson? I think that's that's where I get nervous. We've just changed mine. My my expectation was that he was going to come in and kind of fulfill that PRKR role. Like that. That's where I, I think he can be the kick thing. returner. But I, there's, I think it's an unreasonable yeah, expectation. Yeah, you, you, you can't. You can't. Uh, can you have a roster with wide, where, where one of your wide receivers is the kick returner and you've got another roster yeah. wide receiver that's a punt returner? Yeah. All the time, teams do that all the time. That far a, down, that far down the depth chart. Yeah, but absolutely. Like you're not gonna. It can't be the only thing they do. Right. <laughs> so who's getting bumped? Uh, obviously, Duke Williams is gone. But who else oh. is getting? I mean, who else is going? If you made me predict right now, and I, I don't know if somebody brings this up all the time, might be Bruce Nolan, could be Greg, could be you. I don't. I listen to a lot of Bills podcasts. So I don't sure. remember exactly who says this. Um, the only draft pick that hasn't made the team under. McBean has been Austin Pro, a seventh round wide receiver out of UNC, where I'm pretty sure they just did their buddy a favorite. Uh, uh, um, what's their dad's? Austin Pro's the dad, former player, Carolina Panther coach. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. they did him a favor and drafted him. Sure. I honestly do, and he didn't make the team. So we have a big time precedent for Bill's draft picks making the team. We mm -hmm. also have a big time precedent that they keep six wide receivers. They've never really kept more. Right. So this, if I had to guess right now, I think you have Diggs. Sanders, Beasley, Gabe Davis. All right, so there's your four locks. Yep, I yep. think Stevenson as a this year draft pick is going to make it. Is five. Isaiah McKenzie is six. Really? Yeah. Even with all of the all of the conversation and all the chatter about Isaiah Hodgins last year in camp before he got hurt. 
do you want to do that? So here's the thing about Isaiah Hodgins, man. Um, what, he's like a six-round draft pick. Yep. So that tells you a lot about what the NFL thinks of his skill set. I, I see the same clip over and over again that people love to go at Oregon State where he puts a double move and gets open and stuff like that. But he's a he's David Nelson. You remember David Nelson? Love like love that's, David that's Nelson. the type of player that he is. And so he's a narrow, tall, um, he's a guy that really, really struggles to play on the outside. Mm-hmm. And so what I mean by that is like beating press coverage. If you want to play up on top of him, sure. he has a hard time clearing that contact so you are reducing him into a slot only type player and i think you you have you have everything that he brings to the table in gabriel davis he's a redundant skill set and the problem is he's not going to play special teams right players like that like he's not going to help you covering kicks and punts he just doesn't i I like his route running when he's when he doesn't have to deal with contact what's the nfl brother you got to deal with contact and i love his hands and ball skills but like he's there's not enough boxes otherwise that he checks. I'd I would i would honestly be surprised if he was a rostered player. I can attest, uh, he actually goes to my church. So Isaiah does. So literally I see him every Sunday. And he is definitely a very tall, very narrow young man as far as that goes. He's not, you know, my guess is Duke Williams is probably thick and large, right? Six foot yeah. two and probably broad and big. Right, but I, the funny thing about that is, like, Stefan Diggs doesn't strike me as a huge specimen of a of a of a human being. Like, he doesn't strike me as yeah. a giant man. But think about so route running is about a lot of times about hip hip elevation, and I think right. for for the body composition that Isaiah Hodgins have, like, I think he's very good in terms of that. But when you're talking about having to reduce and take steep angles off the line of scrimmage and and address contact right away. Yeah, he has he offers a lot to get your hands on, you know, like gotcha. in, in and that's he gets hung on contact and like he did that in the Pac-12, man. Like what's going to happen when J.C. Jackson's in his face? And, <laughs> you know, like that's where I get hung up. I, I think he's a good kid. Uh, Rob yeah. Juden, uh, one of the guys who work with the draft network, he was uh, he worked at Oregon State, speaks highly of Isaiah Hodgins. I think he's a high character, good person, super good kid. Super I good just kid. I have a hard time about finding that path for him. I think he's. I think he'll be on the practice squad and all those types of things. But um, as far as him, number one, making the roster, number two, having a meaningful role in the offense, I don't anticipate that. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, Joe, this was a pleasure. As always, this is always a pleasure. I, I love having conversations with you. Um, one of my absolute favorites, uh, favorites rather. Do me a favor. Tell everybody that's uh, watching and listening, where not that they don't already know, but where can they find the Joe Marino? Uh, Twitter at the Joe Marino locked on bills podcast daily. Um, maybe Joe Miller will be on there this week. I don't know. Sign. We'll see. We'll see. Dum, dum, dum. That's funny. Uh, bro. I just appreciate it, man. I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you having these talks and just you loosen me up, man. You I loosen me you up. You do. Like, I feel some type. I don't know. I get, I'm kind of buttoned up on a lot of these other podcasts that I go on, but I'm like, I'm just feel like I'm just chilling with you. And so I'm like, all right, let's shoot, let's shoot the breeze, man. Let's talk know, shop. I don't know what it is because, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I feel the same. I feel it's a, it flows, it flows super, super well. So it's a, it's a, it's a blast just to, just to have you on the show and just to have you the banter back and forth. And I love to, I love to open the door and give you an opportunity to chat. And uh, you, you don't disappoint, for lack of a better way of saying it. You absolutely don't disappoint. You gonna make it up to Buffalo? I know you're coming up for one of the yeah, football games. Houston, yeah, Houston. Yeah. Is that the only time you're coming up? You're not coming up. You don't. Do you have any family left in Buffalo? I do. Yeah. You do. Grandparents, aunts and uncles. Yeah. You come up and see them at all in the summer. So here's the problem, man. They always come and see me. They're always Ah. coming here, you know? So it's like 
that because they so frequently come here, it's taken the urgency away from going up. Yeah, yeah. I haven't been to Buffalo since 2011. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So I'm excited to get up there and like go to the places that I've always enjoyed. Yeah, My yeah, wife, yeah. it's going to be her first time there. Nice. She's nice. going to get the the you know the whole experience and nice. take her on to Grand Island and show her where I grew up. And you know, like when you tell people that you grew up on a freshwater island in the middle of the Niagara River, they're like, "What is this <laughs> Swiss Family Robinson or something?" You know what I mean? Like Grand Island. Is yep. there electricity there? I'm like, yeah, you know, uh, you, you can, it's kind of a kind of does have electricity. So I want to like I want to explain that to her and show her all that stuff. So that is amazing. Yeah. It, yeah, the Niagara River forks and goes in two different directions and then comes back. To together wait wait stop <laughs> explain this to me like i'm five <laughs> literally oh that's awesome ladies and gentlemen you have been watching and listening to the overreaction sports podcast brought to you by the market dominator on the buffalo rumblings podcast network i'm your host joe miller you can find me on twitter at joe miller wired and for me and my guest joe marino we are excited that you guys tuned in uh until next time joe marino give me a go bills go bills go bills we'll talk to you guys later <laughs>